Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Monday. It is March 7th. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Obviously, there's been uh, a lot of stuff happening in the Ukraine and Russia, and we'll talk about them, uh, that and more when Dave joins us here in just a few moments. We'll talk about oil prices and how that's affecting the uh, price of gas and, uh, and other things that are happening around the world. But remember, when we're looking at things in the world, we can't control what happens in Ukraine or what happens in Washington, D.C. or in the markets as a whole. But you can't control how much risk you have in your current portfolio. Give us a call to walk through our core retirement design where we help you design the retirement you always dreamed of. 863-382-0037. And with that, we've got Dave coming up next. Speaking of waves, let's see which way the waves are flowing on finances this morning. It's been a, uh, let's call it a very subsiding tide lately on Wall Street. Thank you to the Ukraine situation. Let's go check in with Philip Statler from Statler Financial Services and see what's going on this morning in his world. Philip, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dave. Hey, doing well today. Uh, you know, nice weekend and now back at it. But it's... Uh, Man, the weekend um, definitely had some impactfulness on the markets. And, you know, all of my tip sheets are saying it's so dang confusing we can't figure out what's going on. There was a little uptick when Russia said, let's do a humanitarian corridor and we'll agree to a ceasefire. And then they say, oh, by the way, the only humanitarian corridors we'll let stay open are going into Belarus and back into Russia, where nobody wants to go in the first place. So things promptly went back down again. I mean, that's the kind of weirdness we're going through here in the process. Then you add on the fact that we're looking at, what, 100 127 dollar a barrel oil this is this is just an upsetting time isn't it it really is when you look at stuff and and you know it's just nobody seems to be taking the bull by the horns and doing anything about it and and that's an issue and and you know i, I saw a thing that said you know oil prices have increased by 60 percent since january 1st and um yeah and and who's who's at fault for that i mean we can blame russia and ukraine but you know, some of it goes to Washington, D.C., because there's some things they could be doing, but they refuse. And, you know, I, I get into these. I try. I try so hard to stay out of arguments on Facebook because they always turn into flame wars. But the fact of the matter is, yes, the folks that say Biden can't control oil prices are absolutely correct. But the fact of the matter is, oil is driven by the futures market. And when the administration communicates it is going to be less friendly toward energy interests, that pushed the oil up into its original speak, uh, spike upward into the $80 a barrel range. Yes, it's true that the Russian-Ukrainian war is definitely causing oil to go up even more. But like you say, there are things that we can do. And one of the interesting ones that I can't see the administration being at all positive about, you told me about, is some wag is, is suggesting that we have a floor price for oil now. Yeah, definitely. I'm not in favor of this either, Dave. I mean, because I think supply and demand should drive everything. But uh, yeah, this one guy comes out and thinks, hey, so that the fracking industry doesn't go through these close downs and startups. We just need to have a floor on the pump price of, of gas and, and oil prices at 75 or $80 a barrel. That way, the frackers can just continue to work no matter what happens, they, they know they're going to get that price for oil and, and the government just needs to pay them and supplement, and supplement them. And, and I'm not that kind of person, right? It's supply and demand. But when you cut off supply, like the pipeline, 
you automatically increase the cost of that product. And that's what's happened here in the United States. And one of the interviews I saw on one of the weekend Talking Hood news shows came from the Oil Industry Association. And okay, granted, they've got a they've got a colored view of the situation with their bias, but you got to at least listen to what they're saying and then view, and view it in a vacuum and at the very least evaluate it based upon the merits of what they're saying. Uh, the oil industry is saying, okay, look, the price of oil is way up right now, so we've got a whole bunch of West West Texas patches. In, in, as well as the Barkin Plateau up in the uh, up in the Dakotas that are capable of producing oil, but it's going to take serious money to reopen some of those oil wells, serious money in order to drill for explanation, serious money in order to get those things flowing again. And we've got no faith whatsoever that the current administration is going to be friendly to us, keeping them open and keeping those oil leases current and not pulling them on us after we invest a few million dollars in order to explore it. And that's one of the things where, yes, the administration does take a certain amount of a blame for the increase in the price of oil. There isn't an incentive for the manufacturers and the explorers to go out because they don't know that they've got any kind of a future in their industry. That's right. And so, again, it comes down to supply and demand. Supply is drying up. Demand is continuing to increase. That means the price is going to go up. And that means you and I, and, and here's the deal, it just doesn't affect you and I when we go fill up our trucks and our cars at the, at the gas pump. It affects those guys that are transporting their goods and services from point A to point B. You know, diesel prices have gone outrageously high. And so that means that the things you and I buy are going to go up in price, adding to inflation. Oh, yeah. You and I were whining about the price of gas in our little vehicles. My little four-banger compact cost me 40 bucks to fill it up over the weekend. Now imagine those kind of prices with the higher price on diesel trying to fill up a semi-truck with like, oh, 10 times my gas tank's capacity in it. That's like second mortgage money. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I saw that on uh, Facebook. I saw, hey, folks, I've just been approved for a loan. Now I can go out and buy a tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't laugh, you'll cry. One of my analysts reading was saying that the price of oil itself, that alone, is going to add like three to six-tenths of a percent onto our consumer price index. That means our inflation over the last 60 days alone. And that 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 kind of a number, when we've already got too high in inflation, you annualize another 2% onto it, and we're starting to talk about borderline hyperinflation. Yeah, you're right. And that's scary. And, and and I don't want to scare people, but there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, the central bank hasn't come out, right? The Fed hasn't come out yet and said what they're going to do this month. And, and that could add to the angst that's happening in the marketplace as well. And we know they need to do something, and we're absolutely sure they're going to do at least somewhat of an interest rate increase. And, yeah, we were kind of going, oh, okay, when Paulson actually told the Congress last week that he was going to propose and thought he was going to get through just a one-quarter percent increase. But anything on that level is going to end up scaring the equities to one extent or another, a quarter percent, a lot less than a half. But it kind of makes one's investment account kind of on the hinky side when you don't know for sure what's going on. Yeah, it really does. And so, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And that's where, you know, folks need to make sure that they understand specifically how much risk they have in their current portfolios, because now is the time that it's going to start to show up. 
Absolutely. I'm looking at my pre-market gainers right now, and it's heavily into the energy industry with the increased price of oil. At least there's some optimism out there from the investors. Talking about skyrocketing stock prices, though, it's Monday, by the way, so there's not a lot of macroeconomic news or reports out this morning. But Bed Bath & Beyond had kind of an interesting weekend, as I understand it. They do. And, you know, macros, there's not much, and there's not much on the earnings front either, right? We're winding down earnings season here. Uh, but Bed Bath & Beyond kind of shot to the forefront today as, uh, as it, was, it became known uh, that the chairman of GameStop, Ryan Cohen, uh, mm -hmm. revealed that he has nearly a 10% stake in Bed Bath Beyond. Um, not directly, but indirectly through his investment company called RC Ventures. And so uh, he started this campaign now of, hey, uh, we think that uh, Bed Bath & Beyond should sell itself to private equity and spin off its bye-bye baby chain. Um, and, and so that's where he's going. But I got to tell you, Dave, Man, if you own Bed Bath & Beyond, you're pretty happy this morning because it's up right now 110% from where it closed on Friday. <laughs> now, what's the difference between that guy doing that and Elon Musk saying that, I think I'm going to take Tesla private and watching his stock go crazy about a year and a half ago. Musk got strung up by the SEC for that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Mr. Cohen gets in trouble for this, uh, this comment. Yeah, it does kind of get there. It kind of turns Bed Bath & Beyond into a meme stock just by association, doesn't it? <laughs> yep, it does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We, yeah, it really is. Other tidbits we got going on this morning. Kohl's is due to do their investor call this morning. Uh, and it's going to be interesting because they've got one substantial institutional shareholder on Kohl's that doesn't see all the bright signs that you and I have been seeing when they put out their reports every quarter. He's saying that their growth isn't there, they're artificially inflating their inventories, and he doesn't believe they've got any kind of a future, and he wants them to sell off and change off their board of directors and completely turn the company upside down. And all of that's going to come to head during the investor call today because some of the disenchanted investors are going to be in on it along with all the analysts. That could be kind of interesting to watch as the day progresses. Yeah, might be some fireworks there, huh? It kind of sounds like it might be. I mean, we thought the uh, day of the robber barons and the hostile takeovers on boards had kind of gone out with the 80s. Evidently not, huh? <laughs> and the only other thing I really have is uh, we talk a little bit about um, Visa MasterCard. They were taking a little dip this morning. Uh, because, uh -huh. um, you know, over the weekend, they suspended their Russian operations. So um, so they, they've cracked down. They're not they're not taking any transactions out of that area, which has got Visa down one point six. MasterCard's actually come back and is actually um, flat right now. But uh, so that's putting a little bit of pressure on those guys. And of course, the, the energy stocks, the Chevrons, the Exxons, the Phillips 66, the ConocoPhillips, they're all doing well this morning because the oil prices have gone crazy. I found it kind of interesting. Archer Daniels Midland is also among my big gainers. They're the ethanol produ uh, production monster, so uh, they're they're benefiting from it as well. They've got a couple of ethanol refineries that look like a Houston oil refinery out there. So it's pretty much all energy stocks that are dominating pre market right now. Yeah, it, it really is, and and that's expected. Uh, we are seeing uh, some uh, improvement though on the futures right now, Dave. Now they're not green. Don't get me wrong, but but there is some improvement there. 
Well, let's take a look at it. Resetting the table, we were down 180 points on the Dow on Friday. S&P was down by a little over three-quarters of a point, $34 down. NASDAQ fell by 1.66% again on Friday. It's down to 13.313, solidly into bear market territory as we open the week. How are we looking in terms of the numbers this early on? So actually, Dave, everything is, um, I mean, the, the NASDAQ and the S&P are actually in correction mode. Um, the NASDAQ came out last week because it's, it's only down about 18 uh, percent. So not quite back in bear, bear territory. It keeps going in and out. And the Dow is the only thing that's not in correction territory, but it could be by the end of the day. Um, so that's where we're working at there. Now, let's see, what are we actually doing today? Well, it is, uh, it is red. Uh, we got the Dow down four-tenths of a percent. We got the S&P 500 down a third. And the NASDAQ 100 is down almost four-tenths of a percent. So everything is definitely um, in the red. Well, I should say not everything. The Russell 2000, Dave, is actually a tinge of green. It's up two-tenths of a percent right now. Whoa. Of course, yeah. they've, really beat, they've really been beat up for the last week and a half. That's true. That's true. So uh, on the commodity side, we've got uh, silver down a half a percent. Now, I will say, Dave, when I woke up this morning about 4.30, silver was up well over $26 an ounce and gold was well over 2,000, like 2,020. Uh, but they're not there now. Uh, gold is back down. It's up a third of a percent from where it closed on Friday at $1,973 an ounce. And then crude oil, uh, when I got it this morning, it was like 120, 122. It's down to 118. Now I say down from earlier today, but it's actually up two and a half percent from where it closed on Friday at $118.50 a barrel. Yeah, we're having kind of a, a retrenchment of the commodities in general. Gold had peaked over $2,000 an ounce a couple of times on the overnight markets. So it looks like things are settling down at least a little bit on the commodities side, aren't they? They are. And we do have, um, I'm trying to see where the interest rates have bounced. Interest rates are going back up a little bit on the 10-year, uh, back almost up to 1.8%. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we, we've got some people putting some money back to work, it looks like. All righty. Overseas markets, unhappy in general. The Asian rim market really took a bath. The uh, J Japanese index was down almost 3%. Hong Kong was down over 3%, and China was down over 2% at the close at 6 this morning. European stocks are down, but not as bad as the Asian rim. France is taking a hit. They're down 5.5%, but England and Germany are just down fractionally halfway through their day. It's one of those uncontrollables. Like I said, we were talking about Russia with a... Uh, humanitarian no fly uh, humanitarian uh, peace zone but you got to go you got to go to Russia to get it which doesn't help in the tiniest little bit in Ukraine then we look at oil and everything else i don't want to be looking at my retirement account going hinky as well how do i find you to get the uh, risk out of mine david give us a call at 863-382-0037 let's walk through our core retirement design where we'll help you design the retirement you always dreamed of Looking at the risks specifically, give us a call at 863-382-0037. Then join us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk, 730 and 95.3 FM. And back here again tomorrow morning with hopefully a little cheerier news to start the day out. Fair enough? Fair enough, man. It'd be nice. We'll see you then. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services, Philip Statler.
Hey, folks, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that your week gets started off on the right foot today. Hey, I hope you'll join us again tomorrow as we bring you more updates on what's happening in the market and the economy around the world. Hey, until then, take care. Bye now.